morning, everyone. Good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you're listening, I guess. Uh, it's morning here uh, uh, in Boston or outside of Boston. Uh, my name is Pete Caputa, CEO of Databox, uh, and I am recording here another official episode of Ground Up. Uh, Brian Mosley uh, is our special guest today. Uh, we probably should have done this uh, a year more ago. Brian had you on as a guest. Uh, but for those of you who don't know Brian, Brian's been at Databox for about two years now, and uh, he leads up our efforts in selling to marketing agencies and really helping marketing agencies adopt our product and uh, join our program. So good morning, Brian, and welcome to your first Thanks, Roundup episode, hopefully not your um, last. I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big fan of the Ground Up podcast, so yeah. <laughs> glad to be here. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I have some interesting news today to share with you all the two separate things. Number one, um, it's been a long time since we've given everyone an update on the business here at Databox via ground up as, as everyone knows, we're very transparent, uh, about our business. Things are going well, uh, thanks to Brian's, uh, heavy lifting, uh, uh, and of course the rest of the team's efforts, uh, we're, we're growing, we're still growing fast. Um, we're, we hit about 1.7 million in annual revenue. Uh, it's almost, uh, I think, uh, let's see more than double 141,000 MR. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Uh, yep. Brian's, Brian's got it down to the penny, of course. Um, and, uh, and going well, we're at 900 customers having a lot of fun over here. Um, really figuring a lot of stuff out. Uh, John and I will record a bunch of podcasts in the new year, um, to talk about what we've done. Uh, I think we've gotten onto a, a, a podcast episode and really shared, how we're doing in the last six, nine months, basically because we've been heads down doing it. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll start sharing. We also have a bunch of new stuff we'll be launching in the new year. Uh, and uh, the second part of the news is uh, is kind of bittersweet here. Uh, unfortunately uh, for us, uh, Brian will be taking a new role on uh, at, uh, at a different company. Uh, and he, uh, fortunately for him, it's a great company. I'll let him uh, share that uh, news, but it's bittersweet for me because Brian's been a big part of helping Databox get to where we're going. And I think I said it to him the other day, where like, what did I say? The, the hard part's been done, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, was, the, the hard part that is That was the high point of my speech <laughs> trying to get him to stay. Um, but uh, but I think uh, we're, we're in good shape. We're going to talk a little bit about how sales has worked at Databox and how it's evolved, especially over the last six months. Uh, and uh, and why Brian tried to move on. But why don't you tell him where you're going, Brian? I know you're excited about it. I'm excited for you. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Um, it's definitely definitely bittersweet for me. But uh, I was uh, approached by a friend of mine that works in, in San Francisco who works for AWS for Amazon Web Services. And um, they're hiring uh, about a thousand people here in Boston in, in 2019, and they were looking for some uh, people that had experience in, in channels. So I've always been really impressed by Amazon, uh, not just their their <laughs> metrics and, and their growth, but their leadership principles. And so um, I decided to kind of put my hat in the ring, go through the process, and and uh, ended up getting an, an offer. So uh, it took a lot of uh, took a lot of time to really sit with it and think about it, but uh, in the end, I, I decided to to accept the role and 
Um, and so I'll be, I'll be starting in the, the, the end of January as a partner sales manager on the AWS team here in Boston. Well, congrats again, Brian. Uh, very excited for you. Uh, obviously, I, I laughed when you said uh, uh, impressed with Amazon. I think everybody's impressed with Amazon, right? The, the, is it the largest company in the world now? Yeah, absolutely. Six hundred thousand employees globally, and and uh, and growing uh, growing really quickly. They uh, the AWS side grew two point one billion last year. They have fifty one percent market share, and and so uh, yeah, they're they're doing a lot and of things. It, and right. it drives the majority of the profit for the company, from right. what I've read. Yeah, Bezos so. can't get rich on on selling books at a, as a loss leader. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So. Uh, like I said, very bittersweet. Um, but I, I figured uh, inviting Brian on the podcast to kind of talk about our history together and what we've learned here at Databox would both be um, fitting goodbye, an appropriate goodbye as a thank you to him to kind of, and also helpful for other people to understand how we've kind of grown Databox to where we have. He's been a big part of it. And I don't think we've shared a lot of the sales lessons that we've we've learned over the last two years. So... Figured we'd uh, we'd do that as a way to um, thank him for his efforts and and uh, and uh, share our learnings with everybody. All right, so Brian, let's uh, let's rewind the clock way back to when uh, we first started working together. Right, you were in St. Louis. That's where you're from. Yep, Midwest. Uh, in 2013, right? So it's, that's uh, right. That's uh, that is officially. Let me do the math. Six years ago. Wow. Um, Time flies. So you were you were there. You're working at like a small kind of marketing agency. I want to say it was like some kind of promotional producty thing or something, right? Uh, That's right. Walk us through how because I remember parts of this really well, but I won't remember it or tell it as well as you do. Walk us through your application process and how you got hired at HubSpot originally. Uh, so I and just to I, be clear for everybody that doesn't know our full history, we both worked at HubSpot. You, I hired you on one of my teams, actually. Uh, one of my managers, Dan, Daniel Hertzberg, hired you um, in 2014. So there's the fact. Let's let's hear the story. Yeah. So I, I was working for a, a small marketing agency that really had not a lot to do with digital. There were some websites and SEO. Um, but yeah, mainly it was like promotional products. And I uh, just was always interested in how I, how we could grow the business and, and agency sales. And so I, uh, I found this company called HubSpot and downloaded some white paper or case study or something on, on how to improve uh, the agency. And I got a call from a sales rep at HubSpot named Brian Signorelli. And Brian uh, didn't try to sell me anything. He asked me a bunch of questions. He taught me a lot. And it really changed the way I thought about sales. And uh, after we talked, he sort of disqualified me. And I that was a totally new thing for me in sales. I, I'd never thought to tell somebody to, you know, put their credit card away. I was ready to go with HubSpot and and, and Brian was like, uh, you know, you're, you're not a good fit. And then I waited like 10, 20, 30 days. And I was expecting a bunch of follow-ups from Brian and, and it never came. And I kind of got, I got broken up with and I, it was, it was a really transformative experience. And so as the more I learned about HubSpot through their, their, um, their videos and, and their, all their content, I just became obsessed with, uh, with the company and their culture um, and so I, I just had to, I had to work there. So, um, I got, I got into the interview process and I, and I, so is this a pattern in your relationships? People say no. And you're like, Oh, I really want that more. <laughs> I, 
I think we all have a little bit of that in us. Uh, and so, um, so I, I flew out to Boston uh, on my own dime. It was a couple hundred bucks, and and I uh, wasn't making a lot of money at the time. And um, I, I got a foot in the door, and I, I interviewed with Danny, and I interviewed with Pete, and I interviewed with Katie Mack, who would end up becoming um, all all of them would end up becoming my boss. So it was kind of kind of funny. But uh, Danny interviewed for strengths, uh, Pete interviewed for weaknesses, and Katie interviewed for coachability. I, I found that out later. Um, but definitely my most memorable interview experience was with Pete. He, um, he was, he was tough, but like in a, like very, he has a blog post about this that I would definitely check out. Um, if you're interviewing sales talent and what, what's the title of that post Pete? Do you remember? It's like why, uh, why I'm a jerk. jerk when I interview salespeople. That's right. Uh, yeah. at the time I didn't think he was a jerk. He did. He didn't, the, 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 the title of the post is a little tongue in cheek, but, um, he, he, he has some great stories in there about how he essentially challenges and, and, uh, what his thought process is and, and asking questions And I, I won't go through it all, but it's a great post. You could check it out. And essentially, um, the, my favorite part of the story is at the end of every sales interview, you're, you're supposed to close the, the person that's interviewing you so you can, so they can assess, you know, your, your objection handling capabilities and things like that. So, uh, at the end of the interview, Pete kind of looked at me and he said, uh, so do you have any other questions? And that's, that's opening the door and inviting me to, to, you know, ask him if he has any hesitations. And I just, instead of doing that, I just looked at him and said, Nope, no more questions. Thinking, thinking that was the right move. And, and, he, and he, he swung back around and said, are you, are you sure you really don't have any questions? But, Totally good. And uh, he had talked to Danny on her way out of my first interview. And I think he asked her if I had tried to close her. And she said, no, no, he did not. And so uh, Pete got up kind of disappointed, walked to the door, turned around and looked at me. And before he walked out, he said, dude, you got to close one of us. And he and just was more out. like, dude, you got to close one of us. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right. that's right. That's right. And then I didn't even know what closing was. So I, I, uh, I, I definitely you quick Google it on your phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so definitely walked out of there feeling, uh, feeling, you know, 50, 50 or, or less about, the about the HubSpot role. But, um, the, the nice thing that Pete did was after, uh, I think after my first year or my first like successful year, uh, he actually sent me his interview notes and I have them printed out and, <laughs> and I, I look at them from time to time. And essentially, uh, he, he, he says, you know, that I don't have a lot of experience in SAS and, and, what I lack uh, in my in my experience, I make up for, and I think like a willingness to learn and an eagerness to work here. So um, I, I don't look at it as Pete passed me. I look at it as he didn't block me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I tried to always make uh, hiring decisions. The it went, it went, like in my role as a director, I, I didn't want to make hiring decisions myself. I wanted the manager to own the decision. So I, I, I considered it my job to find the reasons why people wouldn't be successful uh, and share that with the manager, especially, you know, managers at the time that were much more junior. So, um, so yeah, no. And so that's how it all started. Uh, you're not a sentimental guy, are you? Kept, you have it printed out on the, on, uh, you have it framed or something in your bedroom or something. <laughs> uh, I'm not sentimental about about a lot of things, but uh, getting that getting the job at HubSpot and meeting you and Danny uh, really, I, you know, everybody says this, but it really did change my life. And yeah. so, 
for for things that are that impactful, yeah, I, I hold those yeah. pretty uh, pretty dear to I think I remember. There's a video on YouTube. I think I don't think you like talking about this, but there's a video on YouTube you sent to us in order to get the initial interview, right? Talking about how you wanted to work there. It's not exactly true. Uh, no? I didn't actually. I didn't actually send it. What happened is I uh, think Mike Wolfie, uh sent it out to the entire. You sent an email uh, after my first year. You sent an email to the entire company about, uh, you know, who were the the top whatever performers, and I think Mike Volpe hit reply all, and, and he found the video and sent it out. So I, I, it, I made the video. It was online. Uh, yeah, definitely. Don't oh, you never sent it over it's, until. It's, uh, no, I never. Uh, sent oh, it. that's it's, great. It's, it's it's pretty embarrassing. Oh uh, no, it's not. It's cute. It's cute. <laughs> all right so that was the trip down memory lane obviously it's been a long time since then six years as we calculated a few minutes ago um fast forward you did well at hubspot i know this uh you were a top performer sales person there um i think in like pure purely due to your shit your work ethic and your willingness to take coaching and i think that is a uh, a trade of yours uh, that I've seen over years over you know year over year is is just constantly improving and 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 willingness to work hard and like you have a diligence and organization about you that's just great for for salespeople um, and then you became a sales manager at HubSpot um, but then you moved on uh, you left HubSpot um, and I I think we had a lunch I can't remember the exact um, process in, in which you became. Yeah, we started working together. I do remember that for the first three months, um, you you actually worked on commission for us because I was in a, I wasn't in a position I felt to take advantage of having a salesperson. Uh, meaning, like we didn't have enough lead flow. We hadn't really figured out product market fit. There was there was a lot of things going on. That was in uh, March of uh, two thousand seventeen, right? Um, but I, so I remember that, but I don't remember how it happened. I remember you left HubSpot and then we, and then you joined, but I, I don't remember what was the process. Tell us. Yeah, I think, I, I think I was, I had always, um, valued your career advice. And, um, when I was at HubSpot, you, you I'd, I'd come to you as, as a lot of people I know would and book some time or go get a coffee. And, and, um, you were really good about meeting, you know, as a director, you, you had a lot of people under you, but, I still felt you were very personable and, and a lot of you were, you were like approachable. Um, and so, yeah, I think we would just kind of catch up and get coffee here and there. And, and I would always kind of be looking to you for advice on things. And so um, I think I reached out for some career advice and um, ended up ended up realize, you know, you kind of explain kind of the vision. And once I left HubSpot and I, I just really wanted to be a part of kind of what you were doing, I, I think uh, I, I jokingly tell people that. Uh, if you were starting an ice cream stand, I'd go. I'd go and work there too. So, uh, your uh, your 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 vision and and everything for for what you did at at HubSpot, um, super impressive for for someone like me. And and I'm always looking for uh, people to to learn from. And uh, I think the times in my life when I've been most uh, satisfied have been when I've had really strong mentors and and leaders, and when I feel like I'm. I'm growing and learning, uh, and and so I, I wanted to be I wanted to be a part of something that I felt like I could uh, I could grow and learn and and, uh, and and kind of build something really neat. Yep. Um, yeah. So uh, I do remember like those first few months. Uh, like walk us through those initial few sales, those initial sales that we made. <laughs> that, that, uh, was, that was it's a lot different than it is now right? yeah it, uh, i logged I in this it. morning and like 
two amazing companies purchased our product. I don't, and I, I didn't look to see like if we had many conversations with them, but as you know, very few, a large number of our sales don't, um, we don't have many conversations. And so, um, now it's a lot different just to give it some perspective, some what it was when, when you started working with us. Yeah. Yeah. There, there wasn't much. <laughs> it was kind of like a blank, uh, blank piece of paper, which, uh, which I was, you know, both scary, but also really, really exciting. So, uh, Pete, I think we, like we, we had, uh, we just transitioned from a large enterprise type, um, product and you came in and you changed the pricing and, and moved us to a, to a freemium model. So the product was there. Clar- have- cl- just small clarification to get credit where credit's due. Like the, the team early on had focused on enterprise, um, really big, sales, big implementations, hundreds of thousands of dollars. They did that for a while, but that kind of dried up and they pivoted themselves to mm-hmm. a freemium or a self-service model um, and focused uh, on a wider range of um, types of customers. Frankly, they hadn't really selected, a, uh, made a decision on who to focus on. So um, when I joined, obviously the obvious decision became, let's focus on marketing agencies first um and and let's really um double down on the freemium model and so make the freemium model more uh more generous that's around the time like we started we implemented most of that in the first few months that i was and then that's around the time when we started talking i think you started working with us gotcha gotcha yeah so uh so essentially there were you know pete i think you had maybe 20 agencies from your co-grow group who had who had came on board um there was an existing product that worked worked well but there wasn't much built out for partners there was no sales process built out no no active agency users no co-marketing we didn't have templates we didn't have deal stages i'm pretty sure that was right around the time when we I can't remember if we had client accounts at the time, right? So just for background, an agency that's using Databox can create an account under their account um, and delete an account or change an account like for their client. They don't have to call us or talk to us or register a lead. They just create the account and start it. So I don't think we had that at the time. Yeah, I, I think it had like maybe just come online or, okay. or yeah, we didn't we didn't have it. It was it was super early on, so there wasn't yeah. much. And so, uh, you know, what's ama- what was great about HubSpot, and I think what made me really successful there was a testament to you know Andrew Quinn and his efforts and in, in the training. We at HubSpot, you went through a month of training. You built your own website. You marketed that website. You came up with the idea. You uh, you would go through intense like sales trainings and you had tons of resources and and um, one-on-ones with your manager. And uh, it's a long ramp to become a fully ramped rep in the channel at, at HubSpot. <laughs> at Databox, Pete just kind of sat me down, gave me an email account and said, all right, like we got to get some agencies on board, like figure it out. And, uh, and so I, I was a little, I was a little taken aback and, and, uh, you know, took a while to, to figure out, you know, I had to, I had to do like an inventory of my assets and, and figure out what I had and what I could work with. And, and, um, kind of had to go from there. Um, but in all, in, a, in all actuality, we did have, we had, we had a solid plan. Um, and the plan was to, um, sort of like establish product market fit, start doing a lot of, uh, marketing. It all started with kind of Pete and I's, um, a love of inbound marketing and, and how we can start to generate. We know we, we knew we needed to generate leads and, and act and get, get agencies to hear about us and want to sign up for, for a free account. So I think the first thing I did was I think I called my, my top 20 partners that I was working with at HubSpot that I had good relationships with and sort of told them um, that I was working for the, this new company. And I think I just asked them for feedback. I said, hey, 
can I understand your reporting process better? I, I talked to their account managers and they explained to me what they were doing. They were going into each client's HubSpot at the end of the month. They would screenshot 10 to 20 slides. They would bring those into a PowerPoint and they would go into Google ads and Facebook ads and SEMrush and do the exact same thing. Um, I asked them how much time it took. They all said hours. I asked them whether they liked the process. They said they hated it. And it was at that time I really knew that that we had something special and, and that this was going to work. So um, then so so that call, that first call to those partners, it was essentially me asking them what they were doing. And then at the end of those calls, they would they would essentially ask me, like, well, why are you asking? You know, what does Databox do? And I said, well, Databox helps you with all of these things you just said was a huge problem. And uh, I think almost all of those, you know, 10 or 20 agencies ended up signing up because, you know, they wanted to be a part of uh, Pete's next um, Pete's next partner program. And also they had a big pain point in um in reporting. So th those were kind of my first 20 sales, but I, I don't, I don't think I did much selling on those calls, <laughs> but, uh, but what, what that did is that was selling. Us. I think, I think people <laughs> underestimate the value of asking for feedback and actually listening to your customers. I think uh, early stage companies do it, that end up making it do that well, but then they start hiring salespeople and they just stop asking for feedback. Uh, I think it's because they've heard the feedback over and over again, but um, it never hurts to validate it more. And I think that a conversation of asking someone for feedback um, is a constructive one uh, uh, in terms of helping helping them realize that you're into that problem and to solving that problem as a salesperson. So uh, I still do that today. We roll out a lot of new features and we're always asking for feedback. We're always asking for feedback and customer success. And um, we're, we others are uh, – our roadmap is driven largely through customer feedback. So – uh, but I, that 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 is the same process I follow too. Is when when I kind of before I decided to join, I actually had some a few partners, small number, kind of check it out and tell me like what do they think and is this a problem or not? And we just kept doing that for a year, two years, really uh, heavily early on, and and we still do it to to some degree. Um, and so there was a lot of things that weren't in the product at the time. Um, and, and so you and I made a list of that the other day and just, it, we were cracking ourselves up, just thinking about the things that were in the product team is amazing. And they just hadn't built for the use case yet. And there was only so much you could build at, at one time. And so we've prioritized that, but what, what's one sticks out in your head the most that we just didn't have that has proven to be pretty critical. The, the thing that always drove me nuts was the the onboarding and, and setup sort of instructions. Uh -huh. I would have to do all that manually. You know, people would sign up and then they would come to me and say, great, I have this problem with reporting. I signed up for a free account. I added my first client. Now what? <laughs> and I would have to like go through and, and depending on what they were kind of struggling with, whether it was performance monitoring or whether it was actually reporting or whether it was client communication or whether it was goal setting, mm -hmm. um, I'd have to figure out that track or that path. And then I'd have to develop sort of a custom onboarding list of like setup instructions for them. And I'd have mm -hmm. to kind of walk them through it manually. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if there was something in the product that would just like take them through this? And so um, we have it now. Eventually we got there and, and I think it was kind of a game changer for us. But um, now it's very clear on the right side of your screen when you when you log in, you can see kind of what to do first, second and third. And um, and then also you can it, we kind of gamified it a little bit. We have these partner tiers where the further you get 
you know, set up and implemented, you can achieve registered, um, uh, certified or premier status within our partner directory, which is another thing we can talk about. But, um, yeah, that was, that was the big one for me. Cause I went, I went nuts kind of trying to create all these spreadsheets and, and, right. and then you had you to know, introduce them manually to every feature that they didn't figure out on their own. Yeah. I, I think the team has done a great job. That change alone, I think took us from like, a uh, 1%, 1.5% from sign up to paid conversion rate to like closer to a four now. Uh, of course, your efforts helped with that and Billy's efforts, everybody's efforts have helped with that. But I think that that change really enables people to get in there and we get more and more, um, as we improve that even further, we get more and more emails from people like, as like in the first conversation and like, I love data box. I actually sat down with a partner. Uh, I think ideal Diaz, uh, down in Florida. Uh, I forget his, do you remember his agency's name? Uh, I think it's just IDS. Agency. Yeah, I think you're right. IDS. I was going to say that. And he, uh, he tracked me down at inbound and I had no idea like what, what he wanted to talk about, but he was an agency. I'm like, All right, I'll give, I'll, I'll give him some time. And we sat down and he just spent 30 minutes telling me how much he loved our software. And it's literally, it was other than like a few simple questions that support answered. He, uh, he was, uh, he, he had onboarded himself, figured it out. He rolled it out to clients. He already had a client clients using it and loving it. And, and he had never paid us a dollar yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he's a, he's a platinum partner. He was, he was apologetic for not buying it basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he's a great guy. Him yeah. and him and his wife run, run the agency. And uh, I think they probably have hit diamond by now. So they're, they're impressive. Uh, definitely. Yeah. IDS is a, is a yeah. great, uh, is a great. Different one. I can't remember now, but uh, the, uh, hopefully I'm getting that story right with the right person, but um, so the one that sticks out to me is we didn't have a template marketplace. I can't remember if we did that right before or after you joined. That was early on. Uh, that was uh, definitely after I, yeah. that, that one was a big right. one too. So we used to, when somebody would sign up and we talked to them, we'd validate that they actually wanted to automate their reporting. We'd say, Oh, would you like us to give you some reports that other, other uh, have been validated by other companies or other agencies like you. And, uh, and we had designed them. So it was like, we were stealing anything, but we had designed these. And so we would manually go into this backend interface and be able to push them, push them in, but they had to connect their data first. And it was this whole long, like it wasn't complicated, but too complicated, but a lot of back and forth. And so we, based on that success of doing that and having like getting feedback that like, Oh yeah, this is what I need. And now I don't have to learn how to design it myself, the report myself. Uh, we build out the template marketplace. And I think not only does it help people on board, it's also a big sign up source for us. I think like we get uh, 20% of our more than 2,500 monthly signups come in by first finding one of our templates and, and, and starting their account uh, right after they found that. So, um, so that was a big one. Um, we didn't have calculations, so you couldn't calculate rates, like conversion rates, if it wasn't automatically coming out of the system. Um, oh, oh, the, the good one. Tell, this one's the best one. You Early on, you'd have companies saying, well, I w still want to re produce my monthly report, even though we're like doing our best to convince them that they should pay attention to their data more than once a month, and they should share it with their clients so their clients can see it whenever they want, and they can avoid all this like – cutting and pasting and all that. And, you know, it's near real time live data presented in the way that they want. Um, we still had a lot of agencies, still have a lot of agencies that want to produce that report at the end of the month. And so we launched a feature not too long ago where it's called scheduled snapshots, where it ends up sending out um, 
on a weekly, daily, or monthly basis what their data looks like, or what there's right at like eleven fifty nine or midnight or whatever, so it has a full set of data, and then they can take that and put it into a deck if they want. Um, but we didn't have that, and so how did we? What? How did we use to handle that one? We were telling people, you know, people would ask us. We were like, well, just you know, wake up at eleven fifty nine at night and just log in, and take a screenshot, and, and then you'll have your data. And we actually had some customers who did that. We, we later realized that, like, for most metrics you could like set it to last show last month's data and take the screen grab the next day or, or whenever but in that within that 30 days but but uh but yeah that was that was a funny one so anyways there was a lot of things that we've done along the way in the product there's also a lot of things that we've done in the marketing and stuff to kind of make your job a lot easier so let's walk us walk us through i know you, you i asked you the other day like give me your stats kind of lifetime stats on wh- what you've contributed to uh, that was a certain amount of MRR and and uh, percentage of the, like can you share those I know you know them off the top of your head I don't yeah so when I when I came in we were about uh, 10k MRR and um, you know and our big goal was to get to a hundred that was our that was our yep. first goal so uh, we spent uh, the product team was was amazing as Pete said and uh, and the marketing team did did a great job of uh, we worked with the uh, with agencies on co-marketing and, and, uh, we kind of have this survey approach, which is, um, provide a lot of value for our customers because we essentially have agencies giving and sharing their best practices. They have the most expertise. And so they're helping our customers improve things like bounce rate, improve, you know, um, organic sessions, social, uh, any marketing metric you can think of. We have a, a, a book of partners that, that have expertise and, in, in growing that. So, uh, I think we were like 10K when we started, and, and I think we finished 2017 at 50K, which was okay. – we, we felt good about that, I think, because we, we, we had figured a lot out, and we had yeah. sort of proved by the end of Q3 there in 2017 that, that this was working. We had a machine, and then we simply needed to um, improve our traffic, improve our conversion rate, and uh, you know we knew what we needed to do. I think to get we found at that time we successful. had achieved product market fit. fit. Like right. We hadn't determined how big the business could be yet, or right. you know, uh, but but we were confident we had product market fit. Yeah, and that was through a lot of hustling. We didn't have a lot of those features, right, uh, that we could use. Although the you know the product was certainly valuable then, and we're very appreciative to our early customers that that uh, joined us early on and uh, saw us develop that stuff. Um, Let's uh, so so. Do now though. Let's. I wanted you to share your stats. Like, what is it now? Is like how much of our MRRs from agencies that you've driven a, a great portion of that? Yeah. So that's um, the we have over four hundred and thirty-five paying agency customers, which is forty-seven okay. percent of our total customers. Okay. And then um, agency revenue accounts for fifty-eight percent of total revenue. So that's okay. seventy-eight thousand MRR out of one hundred and forty-one. Okay. Yeah, and we we know that our our agency customers they spend a little more with us because they're using us for 10, 20, 50, some more hundred clients, um, and then they. They stick around a lot longer. They they don't uh, they don't churn as high, as a higher rate. So that's why we're very focused on agencies. It's and that was true at HubSpot. It's true of every company I've every Martech company I've worked with when the agent the agency business just has better better retention. Um, so uh, so you've you've driven a lot of that, and obviously we figured out a lot. Like I think one way to kind of talk about the difference or talk about 
how we did that because it's a lot of MRR in 22 months for somebody for any one person to close do the math and then start up that's uh three and a half thousand MRR per month net um that 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 um but you're probably doing more of that given that some of it churns um and so great great record um but not not the same as HubSpot right it wasn't wasn't easy it was different <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about like how was selling at Databox different than selling at HubSpot. So the HubSpot sale was a lot about uh, convincing people that the way they were currently doing things in terms of marketing was broken and that inbound marketing was the right way to do things. Um, so it was about convincing people to do something they weren't already doing. Whereas yeah, Databox like blog more, build landing pages, <laughs> all stuff they weren't doing initially, right? Um, they, yeah. Exactly. We all know agencies, agencies specifically, you know, they're, they don't, uh, cobbler's kids have the worst shoes or painter's house is the, is the worst on the block or whatever the analogy you want to use. And so, um, essentially at HubSpot, these, these partner specialists need to convince agencies that they're not doing marketing and they should be doing it. And not only that, but they should be doing it this way. At Databox, it was more just about convincing them to automate or improve their existing process. Almost every agency, I, I say almost because, there are still a lot of agencies that have great relationships with their clients and just haven't gotten around to putting in that uh, retention um, lever yet to, to they have, they haven't they're gotten not doing reporting. Yeah. They're not doing reporting, right. um, which, yeah. you know, again, you have a lot of things you can focus on as an agency. If you're not losing clients, you know, maybe reporting shouldn't be at the top of your list, but eventually when you scale, you do get to a point where, where it is absolutely essential to improve and, and uh, measure your, your client's performance. But anyway, so yeah, it was just about convincing, it was just about convincing agencies to automate and improve that process. So, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't have inbound leads. We had active users. We had, we didn't have NQLs. We had PQLs. We, uh, marketing qualified leads uh, are things like somebody requesting a demo. They haven't tried your product yet. They think they're, they're curious, right? Whereas a product qualified lead is somebody that's actually using your product to a certain level where it's, uh, they've, they've already determined there's, they have a need and they've determined that the, um, there's a, that this product might solve that need. Now there's some convincing to do there. You got to help them, but, but the, the need is already established, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. By the time they've signed up for, a, and that was, that's the other nice thing about working for a company that has a freemium model and HubSpot has a freemium model now also, but it didn't, you know, when I, when I was there, but, um, uh, yeah, you, somebody would sign up, they would, and you could just reach out and instead of them, instead of them coming to your website or looking at your pricing page and you having to reach out and say, Hey, I looked, I noticed you looked at our pricing page. Did you have a question? I could say, Hey, it looks like you signed up for an account. What can I help you with? What were you hoping to accomplish? It was a much softer, easier way to get people, um, to get people on the phone because they, they had, they had already determined that there was some sort of need or problem there. And it was simply up to me to help them figure out which track to go down and get them set up. Yep. And so uh, the other thing is, is like our price point is a lot lower, right? So it's, it's, it's we have, a, we don't require a, an annual upfront commitment, although we do provide a built in discount if they choose to pay quarterly or a month or, or annually. Um, but the lower price point, that month to month commitment, the decision's a lot simpler than say, and the fact that there's a process that we're automating that they already know they probably need uh, and and they've been able to start using the product. So your focus was largely where? What, what kind of like – how did you determine who to focus your efforts on? 
Well, it was it was. Do you mean like the uh, the HubSpot partners versus no, like no a- at DataBox because of all those differences? You're you focused on a specific type of lead, like you you had set up you had set up views where you would monitor to see who was, a bit, but like at a high level, you're you're focused on like the if we had a two, two by two by matrix two by two matrix, you're focused on the companies that were a good fit, like certain size agency had a handful of account managers most likely um right the 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 more account managers they have the more need there is for for this type of rep- automated reporting and and because uh, they're spending more and more time you know because they have more clients um and so that's one part of your matrix the other part of your matrix is just like how committed are they like are they really using the product or did they just sign up and go away right and so you were always looking for those companies that kind of uh, ideally had both of those boxes checked and that's who you'd spend the most time with because they represented the largest amount of potential revenue for us selfishly um and we could because we could help them the most right yeah and it, and it was uh it was really nice to have um so a lot of those a lot of those companies were like the top tier hubspot partners the diamonds the platinums the golds those are all uh, hubspot partners that had um you know 10 20 30 40 hubspot clients and had a strong need for reporting because they've already identified that retention and upsell is is uh, is very very important and way less expensive than trying to go out and get new clients so um now we've expanded beyond that ecosystem significantly now i'd say it's probably less than two-thirds of our partners are hubspot partners right we're and and so we've found other pockets or whatever but but uh, but you're largely focused on those ones with the greatest need, and and the most the most uh, the most com- commitment shown to using the product. Yep, and that was shown by things like did they add clients? Have they used our templates? Have they connected their data sources? Um, and then I would go in and look at what templates they would connected, and I and I'd look at their website and start to figure out what services they offer. You know, Facebook ads, Google ads, Shopify services, and um, and then I I just say, Hey, I know you offer these services. I have some templates or I have expertise. And I would, I would ask questions like, are you convinced that you know you the right metrics to track? And have you and the client agreed that these are the right metrics to track? And uh, surprisingly, not a lot of agencies have those conversations or not enough agencies have those conversations with clients. So yeah. they said, no, I haven't been doing this. Yes, I know it's important. Yes, I know I need to. Um, and I would ask if they needed help and suggestions and recommendations. And they would, uh, you know, if they were if they were ready to truly change something about their process, they'd they'd take me up on it. Yep. Yeah, and uh, there was a period of time I think where you and, and Tori, for those who know Tori um, Victoria Shear, uh, she runs our agency onboarding processes and a few other things nowadays. Um, and you worked really closely for her with her for I'd say for nine months. Bill, Billy joined the team about six months ago, and you, you, all three of you worked together. But but there was a period of time where we kind of had to figure out how to onboard our partners, right? And so we, we would at the time give Tori's time away for free in order to do that. And of course you in the sales process were identifying a lot of how they would get onboarded as well. So talk a little bit about how you and Tori work together. Yeah. So Tori has been great for anybody that knows her. Um, she's, she's really, really exceptional, exceptional human being. Um, and so, 
she was really awesome to work with early on, and, and we worked pretty closely in the the transfer between what I learned in the sales process to what the agency wanted to do to get to get set up. So um, I'd had a lot of experience working with the CCs or the channel consultants at HubSpot. I had admittedly, you know, made a lot of mistakes. You know, you <laughs> you uh, you onboard bad deals, and and um, you know you don't fully qualify, and you, you learn a lot about how difficult that channel consultant or that account manager role is at a SaaS company. And those people, uh, you know, I definitely, I think they do a lot, they have a lot of tough conversations and, and they have to take something that someone else kind of qualified and they have to make it work. And so uh, that's a, it's a really tough gig, but those, that's why those people are really special when you find, find good ones. But um, yeah, Tori and I had but I think to, you guys did a really good job of working together to figure out the process. And I th- as, as you were talking about a minute ago, a lot of it was figuring out like what, what data sources, does the agency need to access, right? Is it HubSpot, Google Analytics, Facebook ads, Google Search Console, Active Campaign, whatever it is. Uh, and then once they figured that out, once you figured that out, it was like, what metrics do they need to report, right? And so you guys got to coach them. Or, and then what goals should they be, are they, have they set and do they need to track? Uh, and then how do they communicate to that to the client? And so you and Tori did a really good job of like collecting that information and handing it off. Um, and that actually was the genesis of another feature in the product, which you, you guys pushed for, which is, we call it, we launched it like maybe six to nine months ago called all available metrics. And now when, as soon as you log into Databox, you can view all of the metrics that are available through all 70 of our connectors without connecting even. Um, and so that streamlined that process quite a bit. Right. Yeah, that, that was huge because Tori and I were working out of these spreadsheets. You know, you, you think we, we have 65 plus uh, connectors and each connector has, let's say, 100 metrics. You know, you're talking about you're talking about, you know, 6000 metrics that you have to kind of pour through. You haven't um, memorized. You didn't memorize them all. Oh, man. it was. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you, you start to see trends and you start to know what what are the top five metrics. I think I think that's a big challenge for agencies, too, is they they if you look at these reporting decks early on that we were that we were looking at and Tori and I have looked over a thousand different uh, agency monthly report PowerPoint decks. These things are 40, 50 pages long. They're huge. And the clients don't look at them and because they're reporting on every single little vanity metric out there. And that it, the, the client's eyes glaze over, they get confused, they don't see it valuable. And so what, what we kind of help agencies realize is that you want to measure the metrics that matter. So you pick the top, you know, five or 10 metrics, you want to set goals. And, and that's really uh, where our goal driven approach versus our data driven approach kind of came from. So, yeah, we, we got out of the spreadsheets. Um, we were with the product team. They built this wizard where you can pick the available metrics. And, yeah, that was a big uh, a big leap step in helping partners get set up much faster. Yeah. I'm just trying to point out all of the things that you figured out through trial and error and the frontline conversations that that we've that have helped Databox um, improve the product and improve our processes so that you can help we can help more people faster. Right. One of the things that's always been a challenge um, with with selling at Databox is that price point is low, and so. I don't know. You can share like average number of transactions that you do per month is what? 
So at, at HubSpot, you know, a good month would be maybe eight or, or 10 transactions mm-hmm. at Databox. I quickly realized when I did the math on on where we needed to be in our MRR goal and, and what the average sale price was, it was more like 40 or 50 transactions. So Just not, on the not agency all- side, we actually needed like 80 to 100, right, which we're doing uh, transactions overall, um, including companies that aren't agencies that are buying. Yeah. And, and some of those, of course, are, are self-service and sign up. But um, but early on, especially a lot of them needed needed handholding. And so, uh, you know, I had to go from this world where you could sort of spend four or five hours with an agency uh, out, you know, different calls and, and multiple multiple over over a course of you know a month to I had to distill all of this down into like one call um, where I had to qualify their need I had to understand their timeline who the decision maker was budget was never an issue because the such a low price point but um I wouldn't say but, never but rarely rare, <laughs> rarely <laughs> and uh and you had to you had to, I had to get really good at um, helping people sort of make this decision of whether or not this was the right thing to tackle right now. Um, a lot of times it wasn't, but a lot of times it was. And so um, being able to, uh, there's a lot of gratification I had in helping them kind of make that decision and, and, and take this on as their next, uh, the, the next process change in their business. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's fast forward a little bit more. So there's been a lot of improvements in the product, but I think you and Tori and, all of us really kind of came to the conclusion that um, even though we're helping companies automate the process, um, it didn't improve their ability to set goals and communicate and deliver a better ROI, right? And so that was what led to us launching our own methodology. So talk a little bit about like how the methodology launched and you can talk about the inbound methodology too and how that helped sell HubSpot but like and that was you know a lot of the reason we did it is that inspiration from HubSpot is is that we should have a methodology this is a way to fix this we're not going to fix this in the product because a lot of the way that companies do reporting wrong happens outside of the product in the internal communication or that communication with the client and so talk to us a little bit about the methodology how that's helped you um, uh, get people up and running and using Databox to uh, better and improve their their performance, not just track it. Yeah, well, what people need to realize is that software is just software. You know, if you don't build a process around it, no one's going to use it, and and it's not actually going to help you grow your business. The reason people buy software isn't just to have it; it's to actually save them time on something, or help them automate something, or help them make more money in in some way. So you have to communicate that. Uh, not through a product, um, but through through a methodology. Uh, HubSpot is set the set the standard for for a lot of companies in this with their inbound methodology, and it was um, and probably still is on the first thing that some that a sales rep brings up on a call. You know, here's how here's how companies like you are generating leads, and uh, now they have the flywheel, which you know talks about service and and marketing and sales. But uh, we needed something. That was not just going to have people come in and build pretty dashboards because pretty dashboards weren't necessarily going to going to help anybody with retention. So, um, you know, the, the product team and, and the marketing team built this beautiful methodology, which uh, which I love, which talks about establishing quarterly initiatives, breaking those down into monthly goals or targets, and then having these weekly sort of um, plan meetings or revision meetings where you're saying, OK, it's very simple. Did we hit our goal last week last week? 
or not. Are we on track to our monthly goal or not? And that will tell us whether we're on track quarterly and that'll tell us if we're on track annually. So we used a, a mix of um, some different resources, a book called Traction, which uh, Pete highly recommends, um, the EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, and the Four Disciplines of Execution. Um, all three are really great resources. If you're super process driven and you really want to scale your business, I'd, I'd recommend all three. But uh, we tried to combine those and then we were able to align the product with the methodology. So I would present the methodology and say, I would, I would ask them, um, how does this compare to what you're currently doing? And they would all say the same thing. Agencies would say, we're not doing this, but I know we need to. And so I'd say, great. Do you want my help in showing you how? They would say yes, and then I would be able to go into the product and show them through the features of the product how it aligns to the methodology in order to help them help show them how they can they can use this to kind of hit whatever that retention or upsell goal is. Yep. So real quick, the methodology for those that haven't looked at it, you can go to databox.com and it's in the very top nav called methodology, so you can see it real quick. But um, it's basically uh, four steps. One is we encourage people, companies, to set quarterly initiatives. So that's things like improve our SEO, double down on our blogging, implement live chat, uh, hire hire salespeople, whatever it is. Those are initiatives, and then set monthly goals around that. So if, if uh, in- increasing your blogging activity is the initiative, then you're going to say, all right, we're going to increase our organic search traffic maybe our social traffic, maybe we want more leads from our blog, whatever it is. Uh, and then you're going to set targets for that on a monthly basis. And then uh, each week you're checking in to see how you're doing against that monthly that monthly target. Um, and if you need to do more things or different things and really empowering the individuals doing the work to make tweaks to the plan on a weekly basis so that they can uh, be closer or at least or try, try to hit the goal or hit the goal or exceed the goal. Um, and then, uh, and then monitoring things, uh, on, in more real time, uh, reporting results and good things as they happen, reporting issues as they happen, as opposed to a monthly cadence where everybody gets together in a room, looks at a deck that's old data, uh, and basically what usually walks out of that meeting saying, let's just do more. Right. So it, <laughs> it, it, it takes the decision away from the executives in terms right. of the daily and weekly things and empowers the people doing the work to do that, but still gives control to the people running the business or owning the business to say like, this is the direction we're going based off the data we have. So, so that's the methodology that we rolled out. What we find is that a lot of companies are just not really leveraging their data. They're using the data as a rubber stamp to to basically pat themselves on the back and say, yeah, we have a good strategy because it's working or oh, we have a bad strategy because it's not. Let's fire somebody. Uh, this really allows individuals and empowers the full team to to own and own the, own the performance. So um, and so we've been pushing agencies to adopt that with their clients where instead of just show, you know, in the sales process, most agencies will identify like, What's the RO, what, what does ROI look like for the client? Let's say like the client might say, I need to get to this certain amount of revenue, or I need this many leads, or I need this much traffic, whatever they're hiring the agency for. Um, and then they usually, they usually like say, all right, that's the annual target. And they say, all right, here's our plan for the year. And they rarely change that plan. And even the best agencies, I think, only change it like every six months um, if needed. Uh, but that's a difficult conversation to have after somebody's been paying you for six months and it and it isn't working. It's all uh, and to go in and say we need to change this. It's also not the ideal time to have a conversation if things are going well and it makes sense to double down on things, right? Um, and so that's why we think uh, quarterly is the right cadence for changing initiatives and monthly goals should be set. Um, and so that's really changed the way we've kind of um, sell a bit, right? So it's not just about automating a process. 
Uh, it's also about helping them improve the result of that process. And um, and you've told me that that's been a big deal in helping agencies kind of get into the product and realize how it, it helps, how it can help them, right? Yeah, all, all agencies want to improve client performance. Um, they just don't know how. So we are helping provide them with uh, the structure and the process to, to be able to do that. There's a really great blog post that, that Pete wrote called Stop Presenting Data in the Same Way to Everyone, which I think is the big problem. If you are doing a 40-slide deck, then you're presenting the data the same way to everyone, whereas what you should be doing is showing like an executive dashboard to your board for year-over-year growth to your um, managers, you should be showing, you know, monthly or quarterly cadence, and then to your people actually doing the work or the the, the people that are sort of more in the weeds, you should be showing, you know, daily or, or last 30 day kind of views. So that's a great post to check out if you um, are, if your client's eyes glaze over when mm-hmm. they see your big, big report, uh, check out that post and, and you'll read what you're doing wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so, all right, so obviously we just keep uh keep telling the the brian story and how pivotal you've been to to helping us grow data box um one of the things that uh we started doing i think i think about nine months ago we got a lot more confident in our ability to help a broader range of people as we've talked about we relied kind of on hubspot partners to get our get us to that fifty thousand mrr mark and um you know now i think more than 50 percent of our customers are not agencies at all and then I'd say um, more than uh, 75% are not HubSpot partners, somewhere around there. Um, so uh, one of the things we started doing, I guess, about maybe five, six months ago is started doing in-app chat. We're using Intercom. Um, in Intercom, we pass a lot of data from our app to Intercom, so we know exactly what each user is, is and has, has and hasn't done in the product. Uh, and we can use that to contextualize or personalize our outreach to the user uh, in offering assistance. So we started doing that like six months. How has that changed things? Um, right? Yeah, I think that's been uh, been a game changer. So um, people want help uh, not yesterday, not in two weeks. They want it now. When they've decided that they want to log into the app, it's really nice to see this, this little bubble pop up on the bottom left-hand side of your screen and say, hey, I noticed you're doing X. I'm a real human. And uh, do you need help with that? And, and being able to provide those suggestions and recommendations at the same time that someone is looking to to have that conversation. So um, that has been really big. You know, we set up a, a bot on our pricing page, which helped them self-service how much it costs. That's a very simple, easy question that people want answered. And then uh, we're able to go in through our through our chat and say. Um, you know, see when people are, are logging in, see when they are trying to do things, see when they're hitting limits and start to prioritize our, our time around the people that need help now versus the people that, you know, need help later. So that's been, that's been great. And, um, and yeah, then Billy's one of the things, the, the big things that learning is that and this has worked better, I think earlier in someone's life cycle with us as opposed to later uh, earlier in their life cycle it's more of like what does this thing do and why should i use it no and i have this very little specific thing that i'm trying to do and can you help me with that right now and so every new user gets a chat invitation um, we have like a bunch of us manning that in random hours and we have one full-time person we're scaling that up we'll have three people doing that 
full time um, by the end of this quarter. Um, we have the second person starting uh, next week, uh, and so we're we're scaling that up. That's where we found the most success. Like, we haven't had as much success helping our more established users through chat. Uh, we still rely on uh, a ticketing based system since their their questions and and uh, their needs are more advanced. Um, they, we need more information from them and it helps to uh, prioritize that and have some senior level um, support people involved in that process. So, but we are growing both our, our sales and our support team. We're doubling both teams this quarter um, to, uh, to help, help more um, around that stuff, um, doing that stuff. But, uh, but I, uh, Brian was the pioneer uh, using, uh, using Drift uh, on our website and really uh, helped us realize how how much demand there is for quick answers um, to things as people are are trying stuff. Um, we've also improved our knowledge base. That was an initiative Billy really pioneered, and and we continue to add I think twenty thirty help articles per month. Um, and any anytime we roll out anything new, we're adding and updating help articles. So that's that's a big help too, and really helps us to efficiently uh, answer questions by referring people to the appropriate help doc, but not making them necessarily search for it if they don't know what they're looking for. So, all right. So, um, so you did a great job, Brian. Uh, as I've told you uh, probably a few thousand times at this point uh, over the last two years. So where are you? We told you already told us where you're going, but why? Why are you leaving? Uh, you mean things are People going are gonna well? People are going to ask, so you might as well just get it out there. <laughs> sure. Uh, I think over the you know at HubSpot, I had a lot of fun being part of a big sales team, and uh, DataBox is uh, is is growing fast, and I think um, I think as I. As I think about what I want in my my life and my career, so it's been a couple of things. I think uh, one of I want to be part of a big sales team again, and I think the the self service model that DataBox has built. I think we've kind of both I got determined that, when you said that out loud, be a part of a big sales team again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's the not opposite, for, opposite of what I want. <laughs> I know you want to you want to sit in your uh, in your studio in Wayland and miss the commute. I love the commute, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> so, because you do it on a scooter. But yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think I think long term, there's not a need for a big sales team at DataBox. Um, you know, sales teams and service teams are are expensive, and and I think the software companies of the future um, are going to be relying on partners to to sell and service. If you and, really want to, and relying on Amazon to do everything else, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, uh, you know, I think I was really impressed by the the Amazon sales team. I think kind of determined that there was no, not a need to build out that large scale sales team at, at DataBox. And and also, I think I've had a really great career in Martech, uh, six years, as you you said. And and uh, I think Amazon's one of the top tier channel programs. And I, I've been lucky enough to work for HubSpot and DataBox, which are two of the, in my mind, the top tier channel programs in the world. And uh, and I want to just kind of get outside of MarTech and and see what else I can learn. So I think it kind of a combination of those. I think it's um, I think it kind of got help help DataBox achieve that that break even profitability and that was a that was the the number one goal that you and I were really pushing for and now that that's kind of accomplished I, I think um, I think I want to be able to to learn learn how I can do the same thing at other places. Yeah. Yeah, not saying DataBox will never have a sales team. In fact, um I uh, you I made your promise that you'd come back if we do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, he didn't promise that Amazon. Uh, so, uh, but but yeah, I think in the near term, 
as anyone that follows my Twitter account knows, uh, I I think you know for for SMB market specifically when you're selling to small businesses, making the product easy to use is the most important thing. It's really why I joined this this company is because the product team is just good at that, and no one else is doing that in our space. Um, and we re- we regularly get that feedback from customers um, that it's our product is a hundred times easier to set up and use. Um, and so that I think marketing. Uh, as HubSpot has proven, can really get somebody thinking the way you need them to think so that the, your product is the right fit. And so we've, we've been able to do that and scale our marketing up and, and drive a lot of signups as a result. And those signups are ready to engage and use our product. And then I think more of a support-driven model where where we have um, people available to help and people proactively offering help, but it's largely helping on the product um and because that need is already established and um and I, our experience is the more we help people yeah uh, even with our free product um with no intention of no no knowledge of whether they're going to buy or not it it works out more often than not that they do so um so yeah no no plans to build a big sales team it's not in line with what you want i know you love the energy in the office and having people doing the same thing you're doing learning from them um, working as part of a, uh, a a team towards a common goal. We're not quite – we do that, I'd say, at, at Databox, but there's not a lot of people doing the same roles uh, to really learn from and, and kind of have derive energy from. And I could see about a year ago you kind of feeling that um, and so supportive of you making this, uh, making this decision for yourself and uh, excited about it for you as well. Um, so you've worked, I'm going to transition a little bit. So you've worked with uh, a lot of agencies, marketing agencies. I know you maintain relationships with a lot of agencies that you either signed up at HubSpot or Databox. Uh, I know some of them look at you, look to you as a mentor. Um, any parting advice since you're moving out of MarTech here? Uh, any parting advice for them on what that you would do if, if you were them uh, in the next few years? Sure. Uh, well, first off, I, I hope uh, anybody I've worked with, I hope we can still be friends, and uh, I hope uh, I hope you st- I can still follow you know your uh, your progress, and and uh, and I can you know happy to help any way I can. But uh, you're you're in really good hands uh, with with Pete and the team at DataBox. Um, you they they have DataBox has big plans for you if you're an agency partner, and um, one of the uh, I'm gonna I know it's gonna make him uncomfortable, but I'll brag about Pete a little bit. <laughs> He's uh, he's obsessed with really helping agencies think about new ways to to grow profitability, and he's done it time and time again. Um, the product team is obsessed with helping DataBox customers and partners easily track and improve performance. And um, the, the 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 best thing I can say about Pete is he has a, a very unique mix of skills. Uh, it's kind of like the what's that movie Taken, where he's like, I have a unique sense. <laughs> set of skills that make make, make me dangerous. Um, You know, like I think a lot of CEOs, they come from a sales background. And I think the best companies have uh, a combination of co-founders where one is really good at product and one is good at sales. Um, Pete was an engineer. I don't know if people know that or not. Um, And he is excellent. Always an engineer, by the way. (laughs) Is is the appropriate. um, Is is an engineer. That's right. (laughs) Well, I think of you as a sales guy. Yeah. so, but no, he's, he's, he knows product super well and, uh, and he gets the technical stuff. Um, he's a, obviously a, a master at, at sales and, 
and uh, understanding how people make decisions. He's creative when it comes to marketing. And I don't just mean in like making a bunch of LinkedIn video kind of way. I mean, like being able to understand the, the, um, the, the virality effect of, of getting people, getting a lot of people to contribute to, to things. And, and he, he's able to see the leverage that you can get from a channel uh, by having a bunch of partners and how, how he can add value before extracting value. So I guess in, um, in closing, you know, I think, I think you, you're, in, you're in really good hands. Be patient. Building an agency is not easy. It's really difficult. It takes time. It takes focus. You're going to make mistakes. But, um, but, but stick with it and, 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 and try to learn from people that have done it before you and you'll, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be really successful. Cool. And I, I know you've, uh, so that wasn't really what I was going for, but thank you for the kind words. <laughs> um, I, I went in, I'm going to try to extract it out of here, here, uh, before you go, because I think it's really important that they hear what your perspective on agencies, because you've seen and talked to so many of them and you've seen the inside of parts of the inside of many of them and many of them you've been able to follow for years. Like if you just give me two, three things that, that if you were an agency owner, what would you be doing? Yeah. So uh, one, don't try to do it on your own. Like the HubSpot and Databox ecosystems are filled with thousands of agencies that have already gone through these growing pains of scaling a business. So uh, get involved. Join the HubSpot partner Facebook group. There's a ton of people that are willing to help there. Come to the inbound conference for HubSpot and uh, manually just reach out to partners in your area, ask for help, go to hugs. You'd be really surprised. At I how- think that's true of all like programs, right? I think like Drift has a great program. Active Campaign has a great program. There's a lot of software. No, so no matter who you're, you're uh, working with, get involved in those communities. And right. don't be afraid to ask questions in those groups. Yeah. Um, that's how people learn and also get, get connected. Like I know, I know agencies that they do their own small group coaching where, you know, five of them will get together once a month uh, on on a conference call or for a, a drink or something. And, and they will talk about what they're struggling with. Be willing to admit to yourself what you're struggling with and be willing to ask for help for how to fix it. Um, so that's number one. Um, yeah, number two I, is, as you know, I've been running a group of, with agency owners for I think the better part of six or seven years now. And uh, they they helped each other so much just by, you know, we, we talk every Friday. Um, we have a set schedule of the topics, but then they, they work uh, outside of the group together as well. And that's... That's an important thing is that uh, people continue to learn from each other. Yeah. Yep. More people should be should be yeah. doing that. Every yeah. every yeah. channel every channel right. director should be should be facilitating that. Yeah. Um, and number two, and this was probably my biggest lesson at, at DataBox was focus. There are so many different things you can do to grow a business. You know, sales and marketing, and as a small business owner, you just have a lot of levers you can pull, and you got to really be frugal with your time and resources. You have to set big, hairy goals, and you have to write those down on a dry erase board, and you have to, you know, um, you have to get buy-in from your team that that's the right thing, and and you have to really lead that charge. I know, I know agencies, and there's a there's a Twitter moment I have of uh, the agencies that are doing this really well. These agencies will go to Amazon, they'll spend three or four hundred bucks, they'll buy a big screen TV, and they'll put it in their office, and then they'll go into QuickBooks or go into HubSpot, and they'll take these metrics like revenue or customers, and they will use DataBox, a free account, and they will 
put this up for everybody in the, in the agency to see where their revenue is or where their customer growth is, um, where their traffic is, whatever metric you're trying to get the team to rally on, you got to make it visible and you got to send out notifications when you hit certain milestones and, and, um, you gotta, you gotta really focus on that. Those one or two or celebrate, three metrics. Celebrate that the wins. Yeah. Yeah. Focus yeah. And celebrate we, the wins. yeah. Uh, Pete did a great job of, of, of getting the team to rally around that 100K mark back when it was when we were at 10K MRR. 100K seemed seemed impossible, but over time, by doing the right things and and the right you know critical activities um, and focusing on the metrics that matter, the or measuring the metrics that matter allowed us to focus on what was important and obsess over over those things. So focus is is probably my my second one, tip. One of the things that we we stumbled upon early on is. We were everything was going well. I think around that eight hundred thousand mark, and we're like, all right, let's conquer the world, right? And uh, and we tried a lot of different things. I think we to the point where we like everybody in the company had like two projects that were running, all different ones. So they had like fifty projects running, and that was a mistake. Uh, I, pro- I made that mistake at HubSpot too. <laughs> it seemed to make that mistake, uh, but I think I finally learned my lessons over the last nine months. We've been very focused on moving one or two metrics across the whole company, uh, and then aligning the projects to the improvement of those metrics. And that's been a real big thing. And I, I don't see a lot of agencies doing that well. And that's and that's part of the reason why. We rolled out that methodology. There's probably not a lot of companies that do that well. Uh, and we're hoping is that methodology uh, kind of picks up where EOS and um, OKRs kind of uh, leave off and, and really help to build the culture around uh, focus, focusing people on the right things, on the metrics yeah, it's, that matter. It's important, important you said culture. Um, it definitely has to be, be in your culture. It's definitely in the data box culture and it's in our, it's, you know, it's our passion and it's in our mission. Um, and I think the, um, the third piece of advice would be embrace software. It's not going anywhere. There are hundreds and thousands of new companies popping up in MarTech and sales tech uh, that your clients can use and that will that will um, help your clients grow. Um, embrace it. You know, the this world of I'm going to join one partner program. You know, those days are those days are over. Like you need to be able to enable to go to market today you need to be able to have help from these software companies in the terms of leads and co-marketing but you need to be able to help them as well in servicing their customers it's it's truly a mutual mutually beneficial or symbiotic relationship where um you know you have something that they desperately need which is expertise and and they have something that you desperately need, which is which is marketing and, and leads. So um, go to go to these new companies and, and ask them what else you can do to get involved. Don't just expect uh, any you know nothing's for free. So uh, a great my my favorite example of this is of course uh, Gabe at, at Nextony. When I started working with Gabe, and, and I think he's okay sharing his revenue numbers, but when we started working together, he was doing three hundred thousand dollars a year, and he had a you know he had a small team and. He had a lot of clients and they were paying him a little bit and he wasn't he didn't have any real software focus. And, and of course, HubSpot was the first software that he embraced and he saw a lot of value in that program. And uh, from there, you know, he joined Databox. And, and now I think he has seven or eight different SaaS companies that he is a top or premier partner in. Yeah, Wistie um, is a big one for him. And then he works Wistie with is uh, a big one. Seven, seven Cents, Cents is a big one. and then uh, InCycle and SnapBat most recently. I have a joke with, with Gabe um, with, when, uh, whenever I learn of a new technology that I think would help, I always go to Gabe first. There's there's a handful of partners I usually introduce first, Revenue River, um 
Prism Global, like there's a few of these agencies that have really embraced using technology as the as the way to differentiate themselves. And uh, and so the last two that I last three that I've uh, connected him with, um, uh, he's ended up doing doing something with you know buying and getting involved in the partner program, reselling it. And so he jokes that um, that uh, I'm the guy that can, he'll always remember me as the guy that connected him with other software companies <laughs> to help him. Uh, and of course, it's a joke because he's obviously been a part of a big important part of HubSpot and DataBox's partner program as well, <laughs> amongst many other agencies that we didn't get we won't get to mention here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think this old uh, I don't know what you think, people. I think this old model of, uh, you know, I used to hear agencies say like, oh, we're software agnostic. And that they looked at that as a good thing where, you know, they could use any software that the client comes to them with. Uh, they would only say that because they didn't want to be disqualified because, you know, the, the customer was using software X and they were at experience in software Y. But yeah. um, I think that my saying is that if they if an agency says they're software agnostic, that probably means they're software ignorant. Because at this, right. this point, you can't know everything. Um, you do need to prioritize and pick a platform to start from. Um, but I think uh, now, like, and I've seen this over and over again now in 18, I expect it to accelerate in 2019. Um, there's m- more innovation and more money going into MarTech that will be spent on product development, process, you know, which enables new processes and on marketing and sales than all hundreds of thousands of agencies around the world will ever invest in the next 10 years. And so the innovation is coming from technology companies. And so agencies and, and the marketing and sales dollars to reach marketers is go, is coming out of tech companies. So smart marketing agencies like Gabe's with say, I think he probably has like 20 employees or something like that, 25 employees. Um, he'll never be able to match those resources. And so he needs to ride, he needs to kind of get on the train of these other companies as they're investing. Investing, you know, millions and and tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in marketing and sales, um, and same in product development. Uh, and so he, I think he's smart for for jumping on that. And uh, I expect a lot more agencies to be uh, can, to coin themselves more as system integrators. Uh, Revenue River, uh, yeah, Revenue River is doing a really good job of of leading with system integration and system implementation as the as one of the first services. Uh, Gabe is leading with a bunch of different small services um, that are enabled through technology, and that gets his foot in the door with new clients a lot more easily than if he goes in saying, "Hey, give me ten thousand dollars. Here's my black box, and I'm going to go." That's get right. Traffic up. So yeah, it's it's really hard to sell a to sell a big retainer. You gotta yeah. you gotta be able to get your your foot in the door somewhere, and you gotta be able to provide a lot of value. So uh, don't go it alone. Ask for help. Admit what your problems are, and ask people for help that have done it before you. Uh, focus on the, the the metrics that are really really important, and get the team and build a culture where your team rallies around those metrics and embrace software. Get involved in other programs through the the different connect partners and uh, whatever your service is, even if you just do Facebook ads or you just do Google ads, there's some complementary software that goes along with that. You can't just be this, you know, best of breed anymore where you only focus on one software. Always be looking for new services that you can be offering and introducing to your clients because uh, just one is is not going to cut it anymore. All right. Well, thank you, Brian. Uh, once again, for the for uh, joining us here and being open, and uh, hopefully this is a, a fitting way to say thank you and uh, good luck uh, in your next chapter. Um, 
assume uh, people can still reach out to you if they if they want to pick your brain once in a while. Um, and you'll be at Amazon at Amazon Web Services, so you'll be calling on what types of companies? Uh, I'll actually be supporting a team of of uh, direct reps right. that uh, and helping them facilitate uh, helping introduce their customers and prospects to implementation partners. Right, but the um, the products you're selling are used by software companies for the most part, SaaS companies. Yep, yep. It's uh, three main products. It's uh, the compute services, it's the database services, and storage. Okay. And so any any software company, I'm sure they've heard of AWS, but and you'll be in a geographic region, I guess, and in, in, or something, right? Um, I'll be yeah, I'll be supporting a, a territory. Yep. Okay. Got it. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again, Brian. Uh, really appreciate everything you've done for for DataBox and our partners and our customers. And uh, we will, uh, I'm sure we will talk. We will talk, uh, we will talk uh, again soon. Of course, you're not going to be a stranger. But uh, but thanks again. I won't be a stranger. And, and Pete, thank you and to the entire data <clears throat> DataBox team uh, for for all that I've been able to to learn and and help with. Uh, the whole DataBox team has been really really incredible to work with. And and thanks to you, DataBox customers and partners. Uh, you guys have meant a lot to me over the years. And um, it's definitely uh, definitely bittersweet leaving the Martech community. But uh, I, I, you know, I don't know if I'll ever really leave. I hope I can stay stay uh, with some in, in these close relationships I have with these uh, with these partners. So thank you to anybody that's that's helped me along the way in my career. And um, you know, I, uh, onward and, and upward for 2019. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.